Hello and welcome to my top films of 2023. I thought this was a pretty, honestly, mediocre year overall for film. Uh, not uh, Something just felt off with the magic of filmmaking this, uh, this year. And it uh, seems to be con- the consensus from a lot of people I've, I've talked to and then also just reading about things online from a lot of uh, movie reviewers, they kind of felt the same, um, especially when it comes to the real um, dramatic films that you usually see nominated for Academy Awards and whatnot. Um, very slim pickings this year uh, overall. So yeah, I thought that uh, the year was overall pretty meh nothing nothing amazing nothing great but i still had my favorites there were so many um that i could have mentioned as honorable mentions i'm not even going to go into that this year i'm just going to stick to a legit top 10 starting us off with number 10 the film saltburn if you have not seen this movie yet uh definitely be aware it is a hilarious but fucked up movie um that is quite graphic in many ways but if you know me you know that i love a film with plenty of twists and turns especially that the audience may or may not see coming um this film was directed by emerald fennell and i believe ari aster uh had something to do with it as well in terms of uh, production If you know anything about Ari Aster, you know his films are pretty messed up, and uh, that goes on par with what this film is as well. Uh, It stars Barry Keoghan and Jacob Lordy. This film feels like an extension of a Euphoria episode, but in the university setting. It's that heightened in terms of how messed up it is, and um, the way families act that are of a certain establishment and caliber of, you know, rich. And uh, they bring in Barry Kogan's character. And some interesting things begin to happen. I'll leave it at that. But uh, definitely very uh, dark and messed up and graphic film, but also was sprinkled with some comedy in there and, you know, some satire as well. I thought it was very well done. Um, And, yeah, definitely check that one out. Number nine is Air. This one is directed by Ben Affleck and obviously stars Ben Affleck as well as Matt Damon. Uh, Jason Bateman is great in the film. There are many great performances in this movie. And obviously, if, if you don't know what it's what it is about, it follows Michael Jordan and his decision to sign with Nike, which, you know, eventually resulted in over a billion dollars for him and very profitable for the company as well. But it goes through the process on how that deal developed, as well as, um, yeah, kind of giving us a background on some of the guys that the people that made this happen. And um, it was a very well done, interesting film. Uh, performances were were great all around, and I I honestly think that um, you know some of these people in this film have a chance to win some of the the big awards this season. Coming in at number eight is Scream Six. 
And wow, this uh, this film was, you know, as a, as you, everybody knows, I am a big horror fan. And, you know, this is a classic slasher sequel to number five with the new cast, but the same returning directors. And the directors in, the, in number five did a fantastic job of rebooting, essentially, the franchise in a way, but also having those legendary characters come back. And this one does an even better job. They bring in Hayden Panettiere, um, who is also a legendary character from Scream 4, as well as they change the setting, which is the biggest and probably best idea that worked for the movie. They bring the setting to New York City, and it's just a fun slasher movie that is very clean and well done overall, and uh, definitely has probably the best opening scene for a Scream film, uh, I would I would think, to ever exist. And if you know anything about the Scream films, the opening scenes are iconic, and this one is very well done. Coming in at number seven is Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Guardians 3 was the best Marvel movie in probably the last year, year and a half, maybe even two years. It uh, was the only film I actually wanted to see, and uh, I did see a few other Marvel films, but uh, they were pretty terrible. This one, all due to the great James Gunn, had everything the other Guardians films had. It had heart, action, um, it made you want to cheer for the characters um, that you've seen come along, and you know, Gunn always has had a good understanding of these characters, which is why I have really high hopes for him in the DC universe um, coming up. But overall, I thought this was a very fitting, um, well-told story to finish off uh, a really great trilogy. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll see some of these characters again later on, but um, the performances from everybody, you know, the comedic timing from a lot of these characters was well done. Um, as it usually is in these films, but also getting to know a little bit more about uh, Rocket's background, I thought was a, a really good take on everything and a good way to bring everything full circle, but also wrap up a few of the other storylines with the other main characters. Um, Guardians 3 is definitely one of the best Marvel movies in the last uh, few years. Definitely check that one out. Number six is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. And although I don't like these Part 1, Part 2 crap that movies are doing, this film was very well done. Um, Tom Cruise, you know, oversees all of these projects. Um, Every single Mission film always brings it. My favorite is still Mission Impossible Fallout. I think that is a very complete action movie, probably one of the best in the last five to ten years, up there with some of the John Wick films. Um, This one does it again, too, though. Very clean. All the set pieces, all the action sequences, the acting, comedic timing, um, everything is done very very well and clean. Um, Cinematography, the shots with all the action scenes, the editing... And of course, the stunts, right? Tom Cruise is all about the stunts. And the fact that he does his own is respectable enough. Just just that. The guy's a psychopath. We all know this. But he is still box office royalty. And uh, Mission Impossible 7 was uh, a good a good outing for the whole, the whole franchise. 
Once again, not a fan of the Dead Dead Reckoning Part 1, Part 2 thing. And this film did have a weird kind of opening, um, but it does hopefully going to come full circle for when Part 2 eventually comes out. But Dead Reckoning Part 1, definitely a great film. Coming in at number five is Talk To Me. Yes, this is what we've been waiting for as horror fans. Originality. No more sequels or reboots. Something original. And A24 always seems to find these original stories. And they bring in great directors. And they have overall um, great presentation of film. Talk to Me is one of the cooler horror films I've seen in a long time. I actually didn't really consider it like horror horror, but um, more of a thriller. I, I wasn't necessarily scared in this film, like something like a hereditary, but I just thought it was great storytelling and coming from, um, you know, we've seen a lot of crap out there lately. Um, this was a really nice, interesting, great original story. And, uh, I, I think they are going to do a sequel, which makes sense. It made a lot of money, I believe. Um, and they're going to do a prequel because there's a lot of questions around, um, the concept of this. So the concept is, if you haven't seen the film yet, there is this hand. And if you hold on to this hand for over 60 seconds while talking to spirits, um, some of those spirits can latch onto you and come home with you. Um, so yeah, it's good. I'm very interested to see where the franchise goes. If they, you know, kind of milk it a lot, or is it going to be a legit, necessary sequel and i think it will be based on the ending so talk to me definitely check that one out coming in at number four is oppenheimer when i found out christopher nolan's next film was going to be on j robert oppenheimer i was definitely excited but i was curious how he was going to do this you know most of his films are big spectacles with uh, these great set action pieces and um you know very good uh use of practical um, stunts and not using CGI. And he's been really solid at doing that his whole career. And, um, you know, he pulled it off in this film too. Um, hearing about some of the, the stuff they did to get the sounds and explosiveness and colors of uh, the scenes with the atom bomb and, and how Oppenheimer's thinking and the music behind it. The film is so clean and cleanly edited, as well as, you know, the performances. This is where Oppenheimer, Killian Murphy's performance as Oppenheimer is, you know, fantastic. If he doesn't win, um, you know, the Best Actor Award, I'll, I'll be shocked. Um, also, uh, who's really great in this is uh, Robert Downey Jr. This is his first probably big, real dramatic role since, you know, being Iron Man. And he killed it he was so great in his role and the film and the tragedy with you know his infidelity and and bringing in all these these actors that you know the some of these actors are only in this movie for a minute or two maybe you don't only have a line not even you know maybe a couple words but they all want to work with Christopher Nolan and that's something to say about him and you can see the craftsmanship in his films always and especially this one he deserves possibly to win best director as well this is a very well constructed film and great storytelling as well i know some people complained it was a little choppy and hard to understand but it's really not if you 
if you do pay attention. You know, it was long, but that it that really went to how the story was told. And I think it was as long as it needed to be. It, it wasn't too bad, but very well done movie. Hope you guys enjoy that one. Coming in at number three is The Holdovers. The Holdovers stars Paul Giamatti. You may or may not have even heard about this movie, but it might be my next new like favorite Christmas movie that I'm going to add to my collection of always watching these certain films around Christmas time. This movie is basically about uh, Paul Giamatti is this hated teacher, and I'm sure we've all had that hated teacher that we we once had in high school or, and whatnot. He is that guy at this boys' private school, and um, what happens is one of our main characters, um, Angus, uh, played by Dominic Sessa, who is a great performer on screen, by the way, and, and re- they really complement each other. Dominic Sessa's character, Angus, basically is stuck at this boys' school during the Christmas break. His family is rich, and his his mom is going on a vacation with her new husband, and he's not invited. So he has to stay behind and stay at school while everyone goes home to see their families. And who has to watch over him? Well, the most hated teacher in the entire school, uh, Paul Giamatti. So it's him and Angus in this school, along with a few other staff members, and they just have to live and uh, and get to know each other while, you know, um, trying to make it through the holidays. The characters have a lot of layers to them, and over the course of the film, you get to see those layers unravel, and um, you really start to sympathize, especially with Giamatti's character, and, and his performance is absolutely amazing in the film and um i really hope people check this this movie out and add it to their christmas collection coming in at number two is killers of the flower moon starring of course leonardo dicaprio robert nero and lily gladstone all who are unreal in the film um this film is follows you know a topic i didn't know a lot about um and it was very eye-opening to what was going on really back in the day, all these terrible things um, were happening to these Native American people from uh, these white people that were trying to marry into their families and basically um, infiltrate their families so that they can have access to oil. Uh, We know oil equals wealth, right? And, you know, the, the film really delves through the layers in the, the tragic past these people have, as well as what they currently go through as they're duped by certain characters. Um, you know, Leo and Robert De Niro do not play likable guys, but um, they're really good at being dumb and uh, not, you know, likable. The film itself, you know, does run three hours and 30 minutes. It's quite long, um, but I personally thought maybe could have trimmed it down to uh, trimmed an hour off, but I think... You know, Scorsese wanted to take his time and get into the details and really tell this story in full all the way uh, from the beginning through the trial and, uh, and you know, the outcome of everything as well. The set design, the production design, the sound, like everything is, is really well done. Um, and I, I find it, you know, it could be... Uh, a candidate for winning Best Picture as well as, you know, Scorsese will definitely 
get nominated for Best Director. And then it's basically, I think it's going to come down to Killian Murphy against Leo for the Oscar, as well as for the Best Supporting Character, it's going to be Robert Danny Jr. versus Robert De Niro for Best Supporting um, Actor. And, you know, Lily Gladstone's going to be there in the mix for Actress as well. So it's going to be very interesting to see how these uh, the awards play out. But, you know, they're all very de- deserving, in my opinion. Um, yeah, definitely check out Killers of the Flower Moon. Give yourself about half a day to watch that one. So I was bouncing back and forth between, you know, the, the top three and, and which order um, I, I really enjoyed them in. But I had to stop and really just give my head a shake because there was only one true film that I was wowed by and most excited for and thought delivered the best this year. And that was John Wick Chapter 4. This was the best movie in the out of the four, and it really lived up to that because the set pieces were bigger and not bigger where it's too much, but just bigger. And then, you know, the story progressed and finally had a legit direction of conclusion. And if it is the last one, this is a, this is a good ending. This is how it should end. If the story made sense, would I be mad if they did a number five selfishly? No, because you know, I love these types of movies. The, the the type of combat that they've introduced with the with guns while fighting that Keanu, you know, trains extensively for, is is unbelievable. I love how they incorporate dogs in the film. You know, I'm a big dog guy. The the set pieces. This is clean editing, clean fight choreography for the most part. Sure, Keanu's old. You sometimes can see him waiting for guys to throw strikes. That's movies. You're gonna see that. Whatever. If he didn't do his own stunts, everybody shit on him for not doing that. The fact that he's doing it at 60 years old, good for him. Overall, this was the most fun I had at the theater. Yes, it was a long film as well, but it felt like it didn't feel long. It went by fast because the the story, the pacing, everything kept you on your toes. You just wanted more. And uh, by the end of the film, you're pretty wowed with everything we've seen and some of the stunts and some of uh this you know just scenes like the stair scene you know stuff like that you're just kind of like oh man this is awesome like this is what i grew up watching were these crazy action movies with my dad watching every single one jean-claude van Dan, steven seagal well you know what Ke- keanu in the last 10 15 years in these films has done more than those guys had in terms of wowing me obviously but i was wowed then and i'm wowed now by this type of stuff and you know kudos to them but uh that concludes my top 10 films for 2023 we'll see you next time